0: Bonjour. Welcome to the dicks of It Data Diaries. This is your captain speaking. You're listening to the Data Diaries. Data Diaries.
1: So he's got the best voice? Yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Today is a bit of a takeover, and I'm going to be your host, Jack Zeltner. I'm going to turn the tables on Angie as we dig into the big topic of how visitor attractions are navigating recovery in the wake of COVID-19 and ask her all about what benchmarks we're seeing what strategies and tactics different venues are deploying, and how everyone is approaching the challenges of reopening, recovering, and returning, or at least settling into a new normal. So welcome, Angie.
1: Thanks, Jack. Fabulous job on the podcast hosting front, I have to say.
0: Thank you very much. Well, now that most of our visitor attractions are at least through the lockdown and reopening, for those out there responsible for leading their visitor attractions teams through recovery, what should they be concentrating on next?
1: Well, first of all, I think we all need to take a moment and recognize the incredible leadership in the industry for getting this far. The past few months have been some of the most challenging that many of us have faced in our careers. And we've all come up against things that less than a year ago would have seemed quite inconceivable. And I know a lot of them have cut really deep and it's been tough, but we are here and we've made it this far. So I know a lot of visitor attractions have been able to open and even just welcoming those first few visitors through the doors has been a really big deal for staff and I hope that even though times are tough it's been a moment of celebration I really believe that stocking up on those sorts of celebratory success moments really helps fuel resilience for our teams but back to your question what to do next once the doors are open again the big challenges of recovery in my mind are three things The first is the priority of safe and happy visitors. The people have to come first and we are nothing without them. But in the age of capacity constraints and asking visitors to wear masks and such, that is easier said than done. And then the second is making sure that we can achieve a level of financial sustainability because whilst that brings the burden of incredibly painful decisions, our responsibility has to make sure that our cultural institutions survive and the same for those in the for-profit world too of course with shareholders to answer to but when we are constrained already and then maybe if the demand isn't there we need to get really creative about that and then the third thing is then turning our attention to growth which is really the hardest part because we can't just tap into the tourist market and the public have a genuine fear in some cases for public spaces and Advertising prices have changed and marketing budgets have been cut. And so as a visitor attraction, we need to be highly experimental, lean and agile and sort of work out the new growth equation because nothing is as it was.
0: Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Uh, And kind of circling back to the visitor and staff safety, uh, given that it's I'm sure at the top of everyone's list. Uh, there's all the reopening challenges of getting sanitizer, installing sneeze guards, deciding on a mask policy, de-escalation trainings, etc. Uh, but with ongoing safety issues, is really about physical distancing and capacity management. You know, what should public venues be doing to manage that?
1: Well, I presume by this stage everyone's worked out their initial density calculation and that may very well change over time as we tweak that. But that's theoretically how many people they can fit into their venue under constraints and whether those are government issued or self-imposed even. And IAPA have got some great guidelines on that depending on what the physical distancing guideline in your region is of about 36 square feet or four square meters per person Um, which puts about six feet or two meters of distancing between visitors. But that, of course, depends on floor plans and experience types and queue snaking and and so forth. So then there's two things to manage after that. On the one hand, you need to prevent capacity breaches. It might be something that you have to report on on a regular basis uh, to even the board, or maybe it's even something that gets inspected by a government authority uh, and there could, there can be risks and, and big penalties involved in breaching, especially if that becomes routine. or you might get some really unhappy visitors if you have to end up turning people away because you're at capacity and you didn't expect to be. And um, plus is that complexity, that capacity, isn't just a challenge in the venue itself, but even in individual spaces within the venue too. And so we need to know as it's happening and unfolding, where to deploy our staff and how to encourage visitors into different places, uh, especially if our front of house teams are thinner on the ground than they used to be. But on the other hand, you also need to minimize your lost opportunity. So assuming the demand is there, serving as many visitors as you can safely. So this kind of monitoring, enforcement, analysis and response, it means that you then need a way to measure occupancy in real time, which is complex in its own right. Um, It might involve footfall counting, advanced passes, or both. And unless you're counting flow in and out, then you have to assume a dwell time on top of that as well. But once we dig into it, we've seen at venues that are managing at capacity is that they're experiencing really high attrition too. So that is visitors who book and then they don't show up. And members who aren't paying for their visit tend to be the worst offenders in in that as well. So pre-COVID, this was less of an issue, especially in paid venues. But at the moment, it's a really common thing for all visitor attractions using advanced passes and even theme parks where the ticket price is quite expensive. So even if the visitor is already paid for their ticket, there's still that lost revenue of what they would have spent on site, like buying their lunch or a souvenir. And of course, we want to maximize our opportunity too. So if we can oversell a bit um, by issuing more tickets than we have capacity for, knowing that some of those won't show up, by all means, we should. And then we can start to dig into, well, how many of those paid admissions were full price versus, say, a discounted children's ticket, and how many of them are high-revenue visitors who spend up large in, say, the shop versus uh, hyper-locals who Um, eat before they come and and don't buy something in the cafe when they're on site and we start to get into this really complex web of insights that we need to work out how to get the best commercial outcomes within the constraints set upon us and serve as many visitors as we can in, in the process but on the plus side there's normally some big easy gains to be made once we've got the right data on hand and We can clearly see how, for example, we can predict attrition and then issue overage tickets or more more tickets to capacity and then confidently yet safely serve as many visitors as we can.
0: That's an excellent explanation. And on that note, uh, I know the three typical themes in Voice of the Visitor used to be queues, seats, and restrooms. But in the days of COVID-19, there's a lot of new themes creeping in. Uh, Especially on the complaint side, and those views are quite polarized too. Some uh, about whether the venue is doing enough to protect visitors, and some resistant to any measures at all. You know, what insights do we need to balance visitor safety with happiness?
1: Mm, I I think voice of the visitor is more important than ever now, but it's the speed at which we can listen to that that needs to get super fast. And I'm talking same day or close to. But of course, when you've got a thousand people or more pouring through the door every day, it's impossible to have your all of your leadership team engage at scale. And as humans, we tend to go more for anecdotal stories and turn feedback that we hear into quantifiable, actionable insight anyhow. So this is where technology can really help us. It, it gives us this pulse of, of visitor sentiment. It draws data that's already out there in social media and tells us what emotions are arising in our visitor's identifying the top themes, picking up on complaints and, of course, compliments as well. And in today's times, waiting a month to hear that visitors feel unsafe or maybe that the way that staff are enforcing new regulations is feeling rough to them, by that stage the damage is done and it may very well be on social media or even in the press. And so for those venues that haven't um, started looking at voice of the visitor data, um, that haven't maybe yet implemented net promoter score, MPS metrics, or they haven't started tapping into their front of house staff to report back visitor feedback in a way that can be quantified uh, as well, I would definitely turn up the volume on all of those voices to make sure that they get heard.
0: No, that, that makes sense. And then for all the venues that I've talked to, there's no escaping the very difficult times that many are going through at the moment when the doors were shut there weren't many opportunities for revenue and prudent fiscal management requires budget cuts and freezes in order to ensure the future but when the opportunity to reopen comes and with recovery in mind you know how do we navigate financial sustainability through the data
1: i think the goal right now should be simply to get break even on the variable opening costs if that's a feasible plan for the future based on cash reserves and um wholly impacted revenue lines like corporate hire or restrictions around endowment spend and all of that sort of big picture so if we're focusing on that break-even point given things can change so much day-to-day say we have more staff on the weekends or visitors spend more on Tuesdays etc I think the easiest way to manage this is to simply look at the unit economics and that means to boil all the numbers down just to a per visit basis. So rather than like we made 45,000 this week in revenue, but on weekends our operating costs are 35% higher, et cetera, it's much easier to think in terms of, today we made $36 for every visitor through the door, 29 of which was ticketed admission. Our OPEX all in was variable $30 a visitor. And our visitor acquisition cost is five dollars a mig- uh, a visit for marketing, so therefore, our net value per visit is a dollar, where in that safe zone of of the black um and that's same for a dollar more of that tomorrow, the team can really wrap their heads around those sorts of numbers and it creates this every penny counts kind of lean culture, and then we can say, hey, on Mondays, that net value per visit is." is minus 15 it's in the red due to the fact that we're not hitting a sustainable level of visitation for the skeleton staff and and sort of the cost of opening up and so we have to question our our opening hours or cut to a single reduced shift to make it work or maybe close for the day and take mondays off the table and spread that visitation over other days of the week and then we can dig into things like well out of that seven dollar upsell on top of that ticketed admission how do we start getting more from each line of business and, and what about the various offerings in the shop or the cafe? Um, we're seeing most visitors are, are spending actually more than they used to in, in these post-COVID times and um, perhaps a result of their visit being an extra special thing in an age when people go out less. So how can we then make $7 upsell into $8 and are the out-of-towners spending more than the locals and how do we get more of them and, and so on? And then The other big area for attention is on memberships. So, so far, member numbers in most places seem to have fared actually better than I think most of us expected, but it is still early days in the renewal cycle. And so we have to really wait a full year to see the extent of the damage. But we've got this real trade-off with members at the moment because of capacity. On the one hand, recurring revenue is awesome. It's more valuable than one-off revenue. We have one cost of acquisition to get the member in the first place, and then we get that annual recurring fee and the extra spend every time they visit too so that's that's such a plus and those visits are usually higher margin as a result but on the other hand if at the moment they're soaking up all that capacity especially if they're not showing up we have to think of a way to work around that as well and some clever policies around how we uh, manage uh, capacity for members and if our member base as well is exposed out of town where a lot of our members don't live in the same city there's also that risk there that those people are going to be more exposed to churn if if they the travel restrictions and and blockers exist for the near future so those are the sorts of things that i i think are really important to manage around around revenue metrics at the moment
0: yeah no that's a that's an excellent way to look at it and then i i guess the other metric to look at is uh is visitation starting to grow and you know how do venues get the visitation to start to grow
1: Mm. well we're we are seeing a mild mild trend up and to the right but to be blunt it is it is very mild um in regions where covid hasn't been so devastating it's been a lot better um some venues actually even made it up over the 100 percent mark of normal uh, during their recent school holidays and uh, particularly in outdoor venues like zoos they did um, they actually did better than this time last year, um, which is probably a result of of staycationing and and people getting out and about um, for the first time in a while. But they, they are the exception rather than the rule and their party has already come back down the other side of the mountain um, and leveled out again. Um, and on the other hand, we've also seen the devastation of rolling shutdowns and we'll soon see what the uh, second season of reopening looks like for those venues who've had to endure that as well. But for for those venues that are growing or thinking about growing, um, once they've cracked that capacity optimization and they've tuned into Voice of the Visitor and they've got that stable pushing of financial sustainability, I think it, it really comes down to the marketing game of product price and promotion, you know, working out how much juice can we get out of our organic digital in terms of social and web and email Uh, reach getting our engagement as high as we can and our on-site ratio of funnel conversion rates up and really tweaking the messaging given that visitors and members valued very different things these days and then once we've got the confidence starting to reinvest at that top of funnel and marketing again uh, overall visitor acquisition costs have gone up so we need to check that that's still sustainable for us and then really drive our advertising outcomes to get it back down otherwise we're simply having to spend too much money to get visitors through the door that is worth it in order to be cost neutral and there's there's also the risk that visitor price elasticity may have changed and the need um, to market sometimes without the big blockbuster exhibitions or so forth that may have been cancelled due to cost or disrupted due to logistics and and so those things represent a lot of um Experimentation and pivot need on the growth side too.
0: So, one thing's for sure when visitor attractions open, all eyes are on the numbers, right?
1: Yeah, and that's the truth. And it's reminiscent of what we used to see with new venues opening for the first time. Uh, That first day, that first week, that first month, everyone is poring over the data to see what's unfolding. And that's because when a venue reopens, when it's in that period of flux, we have all these hypotheses about what might happen, but nobody really knows. And the market conditions which influence a decision to visit have never been more different than they are right now. The visitation trends have changed. The unit economics are different. So we essentially have to relearn the business because none of our old assumptions will hold true 100%. And because we're on what is hopefully a growth curve and needing to invest as soon as we can with confidence into that, that data needs to be as much about leading indicators of where things are going to rather than lagging indicators of where they are right now, where they were last week. Because for example, if we're plugging in the advertising dollars, we need to do that maybe a week or two ahead of the visit. And if we're growing back our team we actually need to start that process 90 days in advance and if we're planning a big event or um possibly um an exhibition it needs to be timelines that are even more than that again so if we're waiting for the good news to appear in the rare vision mirror before we invest in growth we've then missed our moment to capitalize on it
0: well that makes sense but how can we plan for the future when it's so uncertain
1: Well, we've got two challenges in that forward-looking planning, um, the strategic long-term stuff and then the operational short-term one. So when it comes to strategy, I would still lean heavily right now on scenario planning and simulation. The future long-term is just too uncertain. Maybe we'll see a bit more international tourism, but maybe it will stay dead. Maybe schools will go back, but maybe they won't. Maybe things will resolve in a year, fingers crossed, but maybe it will take three. So we need to hope for the best and plan for the worst and then track what happens in between. But then there's operational planning and what we found is that when a venue's been open for a few weeks that's actually enough data to start up our machine learning models and make short-term predictions from and once they've been open for a few months we can start to make some meaningful gains on prior accuracy levels and especially at a time when we can't just do things the old way We can't just pull out last year's spreadsheet and rely on that, or we can't just trust our gut because all those assumptions have changed. These operational forecasts really help lift the game on optimizing efficiency, like knowing exactly what staff roster or exactly what um, soft inventory we need in resource planning. And then there's insights, and insights matter to both strategy and operations, because That's what strategy is all about, really. It's digging through everything to find that one special thing, that one important fact that makes a difference to how we respond to our situation, to our challenges and our opportunities as an organization. And then there's the operations of it that insights help drive a continuous improvement culture. So finding all of those little tweaks that add up every day to a a great achievement.
0: Well, that sounds like cultural change to me.
1: Yes, it sure is. We we often talk about being lean and agile, and this is what it looks like. You You cannot be those things without data being front and center. But I think the wonderful thing that's happening in the visitor attractions sector right now is that as we all rushed into lockdown and we hit that fast forward button on years of digital transformation in just a few weeks, As we come out of it and into recovery, we're doing the same thing on years of data transformation in a short time too. Living through a pandemic is an awful thing that I hope that we never have to experience again in our lifetimes. But as an industry, I think we'll emerge from it bigger and better and stronger and our data will help us achieve that.
0: Well, thank you so much, Angie. I thought that was uh, excellent insight that you've provided here today, uh, especially for all the visitor attractions that are so eager to start their recovery and want to make sure that they you know, start smoothly uh, from the very first day of reopening. And I think you touched a lot of some very important issues about how they can wrap their head around uh, how to go about that in a very analytical fashion.
1: Thanks, Jack. And you'll have to share with everybody how they get started doing that, if that's something new for them.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. Um, So we have launched a brand new attendance recovery dashboard uh, that is free and available for all visitor attractions. Uh, So if they're interested in signing up or just kind of reviewing the materials we do have available, all they have to do is go to digzibit.com. And this dashboard is a perfect introduction for any visitor attraction that is trying to have a warm, smooth introduction into what big data analytics would look like at their firm. Uh, So just at the very highest level, what we would help these attractions do is benchmark their own attendance in 2020 after reopening to their 2019 attendance. So they can see what percent of normal they're operating at and how quickly they're growing back to their full potential based on what they've historically seen. And then the next step that we'd be able to provide uh, those same attractions is we can benchmark their performance against the visitor attraction industry writ large or a specific peer group they would want to be compared to. That way their leadership has some very important context as to how their own recovery kind of matches trends throughout the broader industry so they know when they can double down on a strategy for success or reassess what they're doing to make sure that they're not falling behind.
1: Fantastic. Yeah, it's such a great tool. And um, watching those industry curves and seeing how they change between different regions and peer groups, it's, uh, it's incredibly exciting. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to lots of graphs that point upwards in the future.
0: Yeah. And I always love hearing directly from people who have reopened uh, because most of the time, uh, you know, they get to brag a little bit about how many visitors they've had back. So it's (laughs) it's great to always put those in context.
1: Very cool. Well, thanks so much for having me, Jack.
0: And thank you, Angie. And thank you to all our listeners who tuned into this episode of The Data Diaries. Uh, We hope that you can join us again for our next episode soon.